Our scripture for today is Genesis 4, 1 through 16. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is, your, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face. I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. This is the word of the Lord. I felt like a, maybe saying a, a quick comment on just worship. Um, I'm so grateful for our worship team, grateful for um, the way that, that they're using their gifts in the life of our body, which should be, yeah, thank you. We, yeah, there was a, I saw a clap a little, so th- th- thank you, worship team. Um, and it should encourage us each to recognize that God is giving gifts to each of us for our body, for our church, and, and even be like, I can't sing like Christy, but maybe I can be like me, and, and God can empower me in these ways. Um, but one of the things is like the encouragement on a Sunday for all of us is to be present, to be present here. And that is hard in our culture to actually be present in a room with each other and with God. And so even it could be easy to check out during the lyrics of a particular song. Those lyrics are not inspired. They're not, well, they may be inspired. They're not inerrant. They're not God's word unless we're singing God's word. But, um, but there are truths in that. And we put a lot of intentionality in making sure that, that, that we're not just singing popular songs that are on the radio, but that, yes, this is the direction we feel like God is leading us to express our worship to him. But I just want you to not feel like you ever have to check out of a moment, even in a lyric, if you don't believe that lyric to be true of you at this time. The lyric should become a prayer. Or the lyric should be a prayer of like, why do I, feel not, like, why do I not feel like singing that, God? Why does that lyric seem to be against the story of my life? Um, I can't proclaim that from the rooftop. 
well, yeah, don't, like that, that's what I would say being present is, is not just being like, oh gosh, these fake people around me could sing it or whatever, or, or these people that are ultra Christians around me can sing that, but I can't sing that. It's like, and, and when you are like, my heart is lined up with this, like, it's a proc, like that last song we sang is a song of proclamation. Like that's a yelling it from the rooftop type song. Um, and, you know, that might not be your personality, but with who you are, um, like would we have the prayerful goal of being present together in worship and present with God in worship? So if you have more questions about that or if none of that made sense, um, you could talk to somebody else who could make more sense maybe of what I'm trying to say. But um, up until now, in our study of Genesis, there have been two humans that relate to one God. So all of our evidence of how God relates to humans is an evidence of two people and us observing these two people in relation to God and what we are taught through that. And things that we, we, that, that we see is that we see God's heart towards sinners, and, and we've seen a lot of things. And what we're going to look at today is the circle expands to how God relates to other humans as well. And one thing that we are going to see, that we did see, and we will see, is that God does not wink at sin. He takes it seriously, more seriously than any of us do. And he has not just a way to deal with sin that we will take into consideration as we ponder, you know, the truths of whatever. He, ha he, he has the way he deals with sin. He seeks out our confession. So a re review of last week in many ways. He seeks out to be present with us. When I talked about being present, he seeks to be present with us in our story, in, in our lives, he seeks out a way to remove our shame. And he is the same. He doesn't deal with Adam and Eve's children any differently than he dealt with Adam and Eve. Now, the story is different, but you see the same God with the same heart and the same way he moves towards people. And now we see how these children relate to him. And what in their life should form our life will be the first half of Genesis 4 this morning. And if you don't have a Bible or if you do have a Bible and you're like, I don't want to mark this thing up, or if it's like, hey, I want to kind of capture what God is teaching me or what I'm hearing in this series, we have, as soon as you walked in, there was a, what's called Scripture Journals, which is only the book of Genesis and every other page is blank. And so it allows a lot of room to write things and kind of one of the goals in some ways is, is, or a way you can step into this is writing things up, what God is teaching you. Then in community group during the week is a way to unpack things, let other people speak into it, pray into it. And, um, and so, but please take a scripture journal, take a couple. Um, we always have like a box left at the end of a series and it sits somewhere for a really long time and it's still sitting there. So, um, so please feel free to take those. So we're in verse one of chapter four. It starts by saying, now Adam knew, his, knew Eve, his wife. She conceived and bore Cain saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. 
And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Um, And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So two sons, Abel is a shepherd, Cain is a farmer of the ground. And then it says, um, verse 3, in the course of time. So verse 3 This could have been truly a long time. Don't forget that when God designed Adam and Eve's bodies, when God designed Adam and Eve's bodies, it was for them to work forever. There was no intentionality that these bodies are going to really start breaking down 80, 90, 100 years from now. The, the full design of their bodies and the, the, like, the true ability of their bodies was to never stop, to never break down. And um, that is the design. And it wouldn't be until there's another curse that we will cover after the flood, that again God curses and says, and remember his words create worlds. So his words say 120 years will be like that will be the, if it's like, well, I heard a guy that was, you know, lasted 126 years. You know, it's like it, the 120 year kind of area is where everybody will break down if it hasn't before that. Okay. So it, it should not be like, oh, that's impossible. Based on that, it should not surprise us, knowing that the curse is until the flood of the age of people, it shouldn't surprise us that we are told Adam lives to be 930 years old. Okay? So it's likely Adam and Eve had some kids. <laughs> like... Seriously, had some kids. So <laughs> I, I looked up the Guinness Book of World Records. The, the woman, and everybody would be like, God, thank you that you did not call me to be that woman. You know? um, but the woman who, by Guinness Book of World Records, had the most children um, was a lady in Russia in the 1700s, gave birth to 69 kids is the actual Guinness Book of World Records. There were many twins and triplets, um, but 69 kids. So, and that was a woman who did not, who lived maximum of 120 years, right? Ish. So Eve lived way longer than this woman in Russia. And all we are told in scripture is she had many, she had more kids than are written about in scripture, okay? So we're told she had many sons and daughters that are not written about in scripture. So for it to say, in the course of time, this happened, could have been 200 years after Cain and Abel have been farming and shepherding. There is no 
time stamp on this other than chronological. This, this, there was a time, and then this happened. So, so it doesn't say for sure, but it isn't right away. Cain brings an offering to the Lord. His offering is bringing fruit to God. Abel brings like a full meat spread. You know, the burnt ends and everything. Um, And it seems to be the best of what he has. But remember what God has told us in other places is he does not look at the outside like people do. When he is considering our relationship to him, he never looks at the outside. The outside, you know, it's not like, well, he sees that, but what he really hones in on is the heart. Okay, so even in the consideration of this, be like, man, God doesn't like fruit, I guess. And I guess he really likes meat. That is, I would say, you know, I would encourage you not to ponder in that direction. I would consider, I would encourage the pondering to say, God saw Cain's heart. God saw Abel's heart. And he was not pleased with Cain's offering. So before even going into how this played out, I think there is a a strong point about God and how he interacts with people that has to be taken to heart by each of us, which is God's worship is on God's terms. God's worship is on God's terms. Who knows how best to follow God? You know, I guess I should look at the New York Times bestseller list. I guess I should listen to Oprah. I guess I should listen to my school counselor. I guess I should listen to this person. I guess I should listen to this person. I guess I should listen to my grandfather. Who should I listen to of who knows how to worship God? Who knows how to follow God? Who should I listen to? God. Now, your school counselor, your friend, your coworker, your grandparent, all those could, could speak, could say what God says. <laughs> but the, the source of who I listen to for worshiping God is God's worship is on God's terms. He has created the world. He is God. He has made everything. He created us to enjoy what he has created and to enjoy fellowship with him forever. And even in the curse of the fall, even after he has driven people out of the garden east of Eden, God is still pursuing them to let them know how he wants to be worshiped. Because we are actually, we are made to be fulfilled when we are worshiping him. So, Right now in chapter four, all we know, you know, if we totally forgot everything that Ian read and had never read this before, all we know right now is that it is very clear that God has not accepted Cain's offering and he has accepted Abel's offering. And I think a, a good question for us is, do, do I worship God on my terms? Do, do we worship God on our terms? 
oh man, I don't like that. I don't like that. Why don't you like that? Well, I just, here's the reasons I don't like that. Here's the reasons I don't do that. Here's the reasons I don't go all in there. And, but it's like, does God think little of my offering? Does God think little of my offering? Now, if maybe I didn't follow Jesus or, what, or whatever, I might say, oh, great, this is where Tim just brought giving to the church. Are we going to have another offering? Please bring the buckets. You know, let's, uh, I've just got us emotionally in that moment where this is going to be a chance to, let's take a second offering. Um, when I say, does God think little of your offering? We are not talking about money here. I'm not trying to get any of us to give more to the church. Not trying to get any of us to give more to God. My prayer and my hope is that what God is doing in us is trying to get us to receive, to receive from him. When we talk about offering, it's like, oh gosh, um, oh man, what can I give to my king, you know? And it's like, what is the point here is our best offering we can ever offer him is to receive the offering he provided for us. So if I'm like, oh gosh, and it's like, oh, there's a signed check here for, you know, everything. It's like, it's a blank check that's been signed by God, you know, and it's like, oh, I guess we'll just give that, you know, like that is the offering that God has designed for us to offer to him. And so here, the way that God is present with Cain in the way he's present with us, coming around us, surrounding us, moving towards us, here's Cain's response in verse 5. So Cain was very angry the author is like, Moses is like, to say Cain was angry would not be an accurate statement. <laughs> we need to add a little bit more language around here. Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, I mean, like, j just realize what God is doing here. He is pursuing him. God, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. So see, like God's not even telling Cain, like you are such a poor, terrible, miserable sinner. He's not making that part of Cain's identity. He's saying like, this thing is contrary to you, but it is getting ready to destroy you. You must rule over it. You have agency here. You have agency in the middle of this temptation, and I am moving towards you to counsel you in your next step. Take it. He, you see the free will that God treats all of us to say, I cannot 
do this for you, but I am surrounding you. I am, I am just making the atmosphere ready for your repentance and your restoration and your obedience. And you must have agency and act. So Cain sets up a meeting with his brother. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. This is human being number three. Rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Verse 9, then the Lord said to Cain, pursuing him again, never do this. You know, like, or whatever some of you have seen. You know, like, man, they just are done with me. Like, who's the next person that steps towards? The Lord said to Cain, where's Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain is very angry that God didn't approve of his offering. And he approved of Abel's offering. Instead of God distancing himself from Cain, the Lord moves toward Cain, and he has a conversation with Cain. Why are you angry? What's going on inside of you? Why is your face fallen? And verse 7 is an invitation from God to do it God's way. Cain could have repented. Cain could have been honest with God. I don't know what's happening inside of me, but this is what I'm feeling. Help me. Cain could have asked God to teach him how to worship him. Man, I took a swing and I feel like I missed it. I don't know if what was happening in my heart, but I just felt like you just wanted all this fruit and that you were just kind of this like vindictive God that just wanted to eat a lot. And I don't know why, why but like teach me, form me, you know, write everything that's wrong in me. You know, God warns Cain, if you don't repent, sin is right there. It is destructive. Act now, Cain. God is clear. Cain's response is to resist God's intervention. Cain is resisting God's way for him. Cain sets up a hangout time with Abel. Abel agrees to meet him out in the field. Human being number three kills what seems to be human being number four, unless there were maybe some other kids along the way. And how destructive is this sin? It is completely destructive. So complete that parents... Adam and Eve, who were designed just to walk with God, have children that walk with God, that their sin has led to this sin. The Lord approaches Cain again. He moves towards those who are running away from his ways. That's just the way he is. Even people that are running away from him, he is moving towards. He asks Abel where, he asks where Abel is. Cain's response is so ironic, so tragic. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? So much irony. Cain is basically saying, am I responsible for my brother's life? And the blaring answer is, apparently you are. Because you just took agency and responsibility for his life by ending it. You are responsible for his life because you ended it. So, I think just a tragic lesson here that, is a, a, that like, would make us wise and for whatever varying degree we need to have it be a part of who we are is resistance to God's way is resistance to life. 
Resistance to God's way is resistance to life. God is a God of justice, ignoring him, minimizing his warnings towards us, minimizing his teachings are only at our peril. Resistance to God's way is resistance to life, which means acceptance of God's way is acceptance of life. Would we be those people? Would we, each of us, be people who embrace God's way, embrace God's direction, embrace God's presence, coming around us, embrace life? Cain's response in verse 9 is cocky. He's cocky towards God. (laughs) Am I responsible for him? I don't know where he is. He's cocky. It's not a good posture (laughs) to take. So God responds in verse 10. The Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed. Remember, Adam, so he's already cursed through Adam. You are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. It's interesting. Bearing the punishment is, is spoken about in Genesis 4. So much the themes of scripture. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground. And from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Verse 16. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. God speaks with such vibrant knowledge about the innocent blood of Abel. Likely, this is the second person of the Trinity. We talked about this last week. Um, The pre-incarnate Jesus, who with infinite knowledge is aware of the power of innocent blood. His blood will pour out for us. God here repeatedly mentions Abel's blood in the ground. And without, I don't mean like if people are wheezy and, you know, when you envision something like this, you're going to pass out. So please don't breathe deeply if you would. (laughs) Take some deep breaths. But um, um, I think that God's repeated mention of Abel's blood makes it seem like Abel's death was very bloody. And Cain knew it was very bloody. And, um, And God doubles down on the curses that the ground will not give its strength to Cain ever again. Cain's response should have been repentance. Even here, even in this moment, he could have fallen to his face. He could have awakened to the reality of his, of his insanity. He should have begged, begged for God's forgiveness. He should have repented. He should have asked, what is there anything I can do to be saved? Is there anything that, can, that I can be do, do to be saved from this curse? I accept my punishment. My punishment is sound and just. 
and I am not sound, and I am not just. Could you have mercy on me? What Cain does instead is he protests God's punishment. He protests being driven from the ground. He protests saying he'll be hidden from God's face. He protests what will happen to him. He says he will be killed if God gets his way. And God says, I will make sure I will get my way and no one will kill you. Uh, Then Cain goes away from the presence of the Lord. Don't miss that sentence. The Lord never leaves Cain. Even in Cain's most brutal acts, God never turns his back and walks away. The only The only person in this whole story that turns his back and walks away is Cain. Instead of falling at the feet of God and saying, have mercy on me, he turns his back and walks away from the presence of the Lord. A third principle here to take to heart, to understand, as we're kind of wrapping up our time this morning, and to grow in our walk with God is unbelief protests God's punishment and God's presence. Unbelief protests God's punishment and God's presence. If you want to say, well, what's the, what's the uh, other side of the coin? I would say faith accepts God's punishment. Faith embraces God's punishment and God's presence. Unbelief protests God's punishment and God's presence. Cain, Cain, even as human being number three, even, even with Adam and Eve as his parents, and they cer- he certainly knows their life. He knows where they came from. Cain refused to believe God. Cain was not an atheist. He knew God was real. He knew God was powerful. He knew God created everything. What he knew about God, Satan knows about God. Demons know about God. Cain refused to worship God on God's terms. Cain's resistance of God's way led to death, not life. Cain protested God's punishment and walked away from the presence of God. Faith receives God's punishment. Faith says, all your accusations about me are true. God, I hear what you're saying to me. I agree. I am as bad off as you say I am. I trust your words are life-giving words. Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn you came to save you and, and to speak truth. <laughs> so I'm not going to wink at sin because if I did, I'd wink at reality. But I came to save you and to say, God, breathe your life into me if you would, mercifully. Forgive me if you would. Change me. Free me. Be with me. Your invitation to life 
I accept. Your desire for me, make it the desire of my heart. I am following you because I want to worship you. I want to bring an acceptable offering to you, which I know is something that you have to put into my hands to give to you. He is the author of our faith. He has made the offering that we should have made but couldn't. So the two options are we will never be in his presence or he made it possible for us to be in his presence through faith. I want to bring an acceptable offering to you. I want to move into your presence. I don't, I don't want to walk away from you. I want to have times in my life where I'm falling in front of you, when I'm on my face in front of you. I want to have times when I have my hands up in front of you. I want to have times that I'm just weeping in your presence. Kevin and I were both worshiping at, in Oklahoma City yesterday, and both, I don't think I shared this with you, but both had times where we were like, okay, I can either hold this together and say these lyrics, or I'm just going to just be crying so hard I can't say these lyrics. And both of us probably chose the wrong option and held it together and sang the lyrics with tears in our eyes. Um, and yeah, I want to like have all of these postures in my relationship with God. And I'm in community here too. And I want us to lock arms here too that I never do this and this. Receiving the offering that he sent to us to be our one-time sufficient, pleasing offering. Book of Hebrews said he only had to make this once because of the magnitude of the offering. And we, 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 we repeatedly are focused on that, but the offering was made once because that's all it needed to be made. Pleasing to God on the cross. His punishment is right. His presence we seek. And... Um, if maybe there's a fresh part of your story where you're like, I've given my life to Jesus, but I'm in a new place where there's kind of new territory that I need to surrender, um, give to him. Um, we don't walk away from him to do that so that we can come back to him. If we do, all of that time period was, um, was unhelpful um, our most helpful response is to come to him, to, to bring our life into full focus in those areas. Um, if you are here and possibly God is saying, hey, I think you may be doing this for the first time. I think you may be surrendering to me for the first time. You may be saying like, hey, I'm laying down my fruit. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not even wanting to even look for fruit I am receiving your offering on my behalf, knowing it is the only offering that is a sweet aroma to you. And I am trusting Jesus as my savior. And I would just say, let's each of us just come home running to him. Um, and the way he gave us to do this is by, by, by coming to him. That's the only way, through faith, coming to him. And one way that we can like tangibly, physically, um, bring our bodies into what our heart is doing is he's given us the table. He's given us communion as, as a way to just kind of put, put taste and smell to what is happening inside of us. And um, 
if you want to talk more about that, I'll be on the side. I'll be praying and seeking the Lord too. Um, and I'd love to do that alongside of you. Um, let's take some moments. Let's let him speak to us. Let him form us. Let him maybe draw us near in areas of our lives that he's inviting us into. Uh, then I would ask you to, to boldly, courageously come to the table. Silas and my dad will be, will be serving you guys. When, when you come up, they'll break off the bread and they'll say, this is the body of Jesus given for you. Hold out your hands, receive that. Wine or juice, obey your conscience. Um, we'll come down the center, take the elements. Uh, re remain standing if you're able and we'll take it together as family. Let's come to him.